welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. We're going to continue our series on the book of Ruth. Um, It's a story that took place some 3,000 years ago and the book of Ruth was written uh, by the prophet Samuel, although actually we don't really know, but uh, scholars do tell us that it's possibly the prophet Samuel. And it was written in one of the lowest points of Israel's history in the time of the judges. And this particular book of Ruth zooms in on a family um, led by Elimelech. Um, who was married to a woman by the name of Naomi. And uh, Bethlehem was in some tough times. And so Elimelech decided to go from Bethlehem to another place called Moab. And uh, while it had a lot of reason behind it, it actually proved to be a fatal uh, mistake. And so we read on that Elimelech dies. The two sons that were born to Naomi and Elimelech also die. But prior to them dying, they married uh, two ladies. One was Naomi, uh, sorry, one was Ruth and the other was Orpah. And um, they realised that um, the famine that was in Bethlehem had lifted. And so they decided to eat humble pie and to go back home. On their way back home, Naomi looks at the two girls, the two daughter-in-laws, and says, you know what? There's nothing back in Bethlehem for you. Go back to Moab, the city where you were born, the city where you came from, and uh, we'll part company. One of them, Orpah, says, that's a great idea. I'm out of here. She leaves. The other one, Ruth, cleaves to Naomi. And so they go back to Bethlehem. And as we heard this morning, Ruth was not one just to sit on her behind and complain and whinge. She thought, I'm going to make the most of the opportunity that's been given me. And so she went out into the field and started gleaning, started picking up some grains for her to eat and also for her mother-in-law to eat. And it was there in a particular field owned by a particular man by the name of Boaz, that Naomi and Ruth's life begins to turn around. And we're going to read on this morning, sorry, this evening from Ruth chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 19 to 23 as we continue our story, No Ordinary Family. Are you ready to read? Please open your Bibles if you have them uh, or follow on the screen. In Ruth chapter 2 verse 19, it says, Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law all about the one whose place she'd been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing kindness to her daughter-in-law. So he's not showing kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That this man is a close relative. He is one of your, our kinsmen redeemers. Then Ruth, the Moabitess, said, He even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all the grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest was finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Today, I have entitled this portion of the message, Community of Care. Community of Care. We want to look at that 
today. Very simple, but I hope it's powerful nonetheless. It starts with Naomi welcoming home Ruth and she could see that she was happy because she'd gleaned so much uh, grain and uh, Naomi's first words to her were this, where did you glean? In other words, what place did you go to? What field did you go to? Where was it that you went today? In other words, she was talking about a place. She wanted to know the place that Ruth had been. And then as a result of finding out the place, she said, blessed be the man. In other words, she was talking about a place and she attached that place to a person. You've got to catch this. She says, where was the place that you harvested? Where was the place that you went to? Where was the place that you worked today? And then she associated that this place, this field had an owner and she said, blessed be that man who showed kindness to you today. I don't know about you, but I've had the privilege of being to many places around the world. I've seen some places that many people don't get the luxury or the pleasure of visiting. And so we've been through Europe, we've been through America, we've been through Africa, we've been up into Asia to the Philippines and Mongolia and some of those parts of the world. We've been all around Australia and I've been blessed everywhere I've been and I've been able to appreciate the beauty of the different places. But I want to tell you honestly, all my memories that I have are associated not with places, but with the people in those places. All of my good memories, it's not just like, wow, I remember going here and that place was so beautiful. Full stop. No, no, there's a story attached to that place because of the people that I met in that place. And I believe that's what Naomi is doing here. She's tying up a place with the people because people and a place equal one thing and that is community. People and a place equal community and community is important to God. You see, God desires every one of us to be part of a community. The Bible says it this way, that He sets the lonely in families. In other words, God doesn't want you just to be in a place. He wants you to be in a place where there are people. And if you'll go back to that same place where the same people are, we build a little thing called community. And it's there that people get to know us. They get to know us inside and out. And it's in community that God wants to build. And God's community, get this, is the local church. It's the local church. It's amazing that in the New Testament, a field is often used as a metaphor for the church. We read Paul, he writes that this is my field that extends to you. In other words, you're part of my field. And it's Ruth's time when she found her field. And I want you to know that this field called the church may not be perfect. It may have its flaws. It may have its problems. And quite possibly the problem is sitting right next to you. Don't look at them. Look straight ahead at me. Quite possibly you're looking at the problem right now. Who knows? But church is not perfect. And I'll tell you why. Because wherever there are people, there is imperfection. But it may not be a perfect, but it is essential. Church is essential to your growth as a Christian. Community is essential to your growth as a human being. 
God did not desire us to do life alone. The local church is a place where we receive love and we give love. The local church is a place where we learn and a place where we teach. The local church is a place where we are blessed and we are a blessing. When we come to church, we should be blessed through what we receive through the teaching. We should be blessed through what we receive through the incredible music that we get week after week. We should be blessed by the people that come, but it shouldn't stop there. We should be a blessing ourselves. It's a place to be blessed and it's a place to be a blessing. That's the local church. It's a place where we receive and it's a place where we give. A friend of mine, Chris Veenan, tweeted this recently. How can you know a God who himself is a community? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, except in a community. If you want to know God, if you want to know the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who himself is a community, God is a community, all in and of himself. He is Father, He is Son, He is Holy Spirit. He himself is a community. If we want to know this God who is community, we have to be in a community. This notion that you can learn all about God just by yourself, there's elements of God where you can do that. But there's much about life and much about God that you will miss because you learn about God in community. If you just isolate yourself and, 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 and just worship Jesus all day, you, you will know aspects of Christ, I'm sure. But it's when you're amongst people that let you down, you learn something about Christ that you'll never learn in isolation. When you give your best and pe pe people treat you at their worst, you learn something about Christ. And so it is in this community called the church. And I believe this community called the church is so important to God and I want it to become so important to you because it's important to Him. And so I believe there are some things that we can learn from the Life of Ruth that highlight what kind of a place this community, the church, should be. I believe the Christian community is a place of kindness. Naomi said, wow, blessed be this man, for he has not stopped showing you his kindness. And the kindness of Boaz was seen when he provided for Ruth. He allowed her to glean in his field. The kindness of Boaz was seen when he blessed Ruth. You see, he didn't just allow her to glean in his field, but he told the workers to throw out some extra grain so that she could have more. He blessed her. He not only provided, but he blessed her. And Naomi recognized, man, this, this man is kind. And I believe it should be a trait of every believer. It should be the, the distinguishing mark of the local church that we operate out of a spirit of kindness. The kindness was seen in the way he accepts Ruth. You see, what you've got to understand about Ruth is that she was a Moabitess. She was a girl from the wrong side of the tracks. She was not like the Jewish girls. She was not like the Hebrew girls. In actual fact, when Boaz noticed her in his field, he said, who's that girl? The first thing somebody said was, oh, that's a Moabite. You don't want to know her. She's from the wrong side of the track. Don't worry about her, Boaz. Don't get any ideas about her. She's one of them. Yeah. 
And yet Boaz inquires and wants to get to know her. He accepts her for who she is. He accepts her in spite of what she's done. He receives her in spite of where she's from. All these are distinguishing marks of Christ. And all these should be distinguishing marks of the church. The colour of your skin should not matter to the Christian. Your background should not matter. We should be able to show kindness to boys and girls, male, female, young, old, black, white. We should be able to be kind because that's the heart of Christ. God said this in John 3.16 that He so loved the, the world. He loved the whiteies. He loved the blackies. He loved the pinkies. He loved the yellowies. He, he loved us all. He even loved South Africans. Can you believe it? Loves us all. Isn't it amazing that we can know so much and yet act so differently to what we know? Jesus is not concerned with what we know. He's concerned about how we live our lives. And the distinguishing mark about Boaz was that he displayed a level of kindness. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind. I don't know how you interpret that, but I've looked at it in the original language, the Greek, and be kind means be kind. Just turn to the person next to you and say, that's deep. I mean, you go to the book of Revelation and granted there's red horses, there's white horses. There's a whole heap of things that are going on that I can't fully explain to you tonight. Pete might be able to do it later, but I can't. But this one I get. Be kind. Mark Twain said, it's not the things that I don't understand that bother me the most. It's the things that I do understand. Be kind. Boaz was kind to Ruth. And not only that, Naomi says this. She says, he has not stopped showing you his kindness. In other words, kindness is not a one-off event. It's not like we get our journal and go, kindness, tick, done, finished. I've been kind. Let's move on. Let's get off this kindness thing. Let's, let's just move on. Kindness is not an event. It's a lifestyle. God's heart is that we be kind today. We be kind tonight. We be kind tomorrow morning. We be kind tomorrow afternoon. We be kind tomorrow night. Then we be kind Tuesday morning, etc. You got it? It's a lifestyle that we are kind. It's not for us as men to be kind to our wife on the wedding day and say, right, that's it, done. I've been kind, that's it, tick. No, no, we're meant to be kind as a lifestyle. She says, blessed is the man for he has not stopped showing you his kindness. And it's through our kindness that people receive the support that they need. Whether it's in divorce or separation, be kind. And in a church this size, we've got people rejoicing and grieving always at the same time. 
It's amazing. If I say, wow, how's the rugby? All the Aussies are going, yeah, it's awesome. But there's a few South Africans that say it's not so good. Maybe that you're an Eagles fan or maybe you're a Doggies fan and depending on where you're at depends on whether you're happy or sad. And that's a metaphor for life. We announce somebody's getting married. Yes, someone's having a baby. Fantastic. Someone's just lost a loved one. That's church. And we've got to be kind in all seasons. We've got to be kind to the Christian and the non-Christian. I love Boaz. He accepts Ruth as she is. And I do believe with all of my heart that in spite of this church's pitfalls, there's nothing like the church in calamity. Remember the, New South, uh, the Queensland floods? It was the church that was the biggest help. No one can rally such large groups so quickly like the church. And I believe with all of my heart that the mandate of this church is to be a community and a place of kindness. Secondly, it's to be a place of friendship. Naomi says to Ruth, wow, this is fantastic. And you know what? It'd be good for you to hang with those girls. As I've already said before, God sets the lonely in families. When he created Adam in the Garden of Eden, he said, it's not good that man be alone. Life is not meant to be done in isolation. And my word to all the girls in this room, and if Naomi was here today, I think this is what she'd say to all the girls. It'd be good if you get along to the True Colour Conference. I think that's what she would say. I think she'd say, you know what? It would be good for you to get along to the True Colour Conference. I think she went around the room and, and, and grabbed Alyssa and said, Alyssa, it would be good for you to go to the True Colour Conference. And Alyssa, it would be good for you to go to the True Colour Conference. It would be good for you to hang with those girls. I really do believe there's something in that. And I believe for all the men here, it would be good, particularly those that are married, it would be good if you sent your wife to the True Colour Conference. And as I said this morning, men have a certain amount of words. Women have twice as many words as men. It can often be a point of contention in a marriage. Well, here's the thing. If you send your wifey along to the True Colours Conference, guess what? She better use up all those words. It would be good if your wife went with those girls. I mean, I, I love marriage, I do. But I think there's a place when girls get together. And I think it's good. I think it's a great opportunity when men get together. And that's the culture and that's the community called the church. That we can have friends, male and female, and we can have times when we're just with the men. There's times when we're just with the women. There's times that we cohabitate. I believe it's God's plan. Now, this may not be the friendliest church in the world, but it's pretty friendly. And here, I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. If you want friends, you've got to be friendly. You can be in the most friendly environment of all time, but if you are not friendly, you'll never receive the friendship that's on offer. 
This church has its problems like all churches, but I do believe with all my heart that this is a church that is friendly and wants to befriend you. And if you struggle with friendship, I want to encourage you under God's help to let people in to your world. For this church to be the community that God intended to be, it's got to be a place of friendship. It really does. There's got to be moments. If you're not in a connect group, I would encourage you to get into a connect group because as our church gets bigger, it must get smaller. You'll never be able to have the intimacy that is needed in an environment like this. We need smaller times, smaller gatherings where we get together and have some good old-fashioned fun. We see that in this community, Ruth finds friends. She finds a husband. She becomes a mum. It's an incredible story of the picture of what I believe God wants for his church. Thirdly, it's a place of commitment. I've talked a lot about this lately. Boaz says to Ruth, stay with my workers. In other words, it's not about being here today and gone tomorrow. I believe when it comes to raising a family, security is established when their kids know their dad and mum will be there tomorrow. I do believe that with all my heart. That if we could just stay, that if we could just hang around, that if we could just stay put, we would breed a security in our people. You know, when I was away in Melbourne this week, I felt God speak to me. I felt like God give me a next window into my future. I was asking God some questions, as you often do in prayer, and said, what's my life all about? What am I here for? What am I doing? God, what's next? I've been in Adelaide my whole life. I was born here. I was raised here. I planted a church here. I continue to lead that same church to this day, 17 years later. And yet there's something in me that could go anywhere in the world. And I've been to many places that I've already mentioned. And I could honestly enjoy many parts of the world. And yet there's this something in me that is God-ordained that I feel to stay. And I felt God say this. And I haven't shared this with anyone yet. But I felt God say, I want you to father this city. And I feel like God is letting me on something of my next 20, 30 years. That I just want to stay put and be around and through longevity, build security, build the trust to be able to speak into people's lives, to be able to father them, to love them, to breed health into this city and into this nation. I know there's more appealing cities out there. I know there's larger cities out there. I know there's more fun cities out there, but something of the call of God on my life is to stay here. And father this city. And if people aren't taking me seriously just yet, or I'm not old enough yet, just yet, or I'm not wise enough just yet, or I'm not mature enough just yet, that's fine, I've got time. Yeah. But I want to be around long enough to be able to be part of the solution. Because I believe the only way you can win a city is working together with other churches and co elder the city with other churches. It's the only way we're really going to touch a city. Yeah. And there's something in my heart that resonates. I just want to be around long enough to be part of that. I'll leave that with you. 
if we don't hang around, we distort the picture of what commitment looks like. We can talk about commitment. We can tell our kids, hey, you can't just leave midway through the season in your soccer or football or whatever sporting activity it is. But if they've just watched us and we're just here today, gone tomorrow, why should they believe us? There's got to be something that is in us to stay. I believe it's a place of commitment. I also believe, number four, it's a place of mission. Boaz said, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting the grain. In other words, these girls didn't just do life together. They didn't just befriend each other. They actually worked together. It wasn't just a social group, but there was a job to be done. And while I love the many aspects of church life, one of them being friendship, if it's just about friendship, that's not enough to hold you forever. There has to be something bigger than you and yourself and you and yours to keep you year after year. And the only thing that will keep you year after year is mission and purpose. See, there is a job for each and every one of us to do. Yes, there's this incredible family. Yes, there's an incredible social scene in church and that's awesome and that's a blessing and it's fantastic and I love it and I encourage it and I think for every single person, it would be fantastic for you to find another single person of the opposite sex and get married. That'd be awesome. But it's not the goal. It's not the mission. There is a job to be done. Can you imagine these girls just talking as girls are known for and they're in the field and they're just talking? And getting no work done, what's going to happen is they're going to starve. And they're going to die prematurely. And I can't help but think that that's a picture of so many Christians that they just make it all about themselves. They make it all about a social scene. And they don't tie in the mission of the church. Just the friendship of the church. There is a job to be done. And some of those things are unfolding to me and I want to do more uh, adventures into the future and I want to do some things that we've never done before. And it's going to require us working together. It's going to involve more volunteers. It's going to involve those that presently are doing nothing to get involved and to do something because there's a job to be done. We have a mission. We have a company of people. We have our worlds to influence. And I would hate us to lose sight of that. I believe many people drift because they lose that sense of purpose and mission. Mission stops us drifting. I don't know if any of you saw Brian Houston preaching this morning, but he said this, when you live with vision, you find time, you find energy, you find people and you find money. You find everything you need when you have vision, when you have mission. When you lose sight of that, we start to think, what's the point of going to church? Hey, they won't mind if I miss one. The trouble is when you start thinking like that, you never miss one, you miss two. And you never miss two, you miss three. You never miss three, you miss a month, you miss two months, you miss a year. Pretty soon you're I used to go to church. I'd love to tell you that's only ever happened once or twice. I've just seen it happen over and over and over again. And at the core of it is people lose a sense of mission. It's a place of protection. Boaz says in someone else's field, you may be harmed. And within a, community, within a community, there's protection. So you can't go anywhere and do anything and expect protection to be there for you. 
This is an aspect of the church that often gets misunderstood. People think you're being controlling and manipulating. No, no, no. This community wants to provide you protection. And we're never going to apologize for teaching the way we do and encourage you to stay away from certain things. Hey, we've got three young kids and we didn't let them just go anywhere. In actual fact, I don't know anyone with kids our age that would just let any of their kids just hop on a bus and go wherever they wanted. There's boundaries. Why? For their protection. Because in our community called the Rainbow Household, we have some boundaries that are not to control them, not to frustrate them, not to manipulate them, but out of love to protect them. And so sometimes we share some things that can be hard to hear and hard to swallow and hard to put into your life. But we don't apologise for that because we want you to be a protected people. What Pete shared this morning essentially is a message of protection. Don't just listen to the government. Don't just listen to the social welfare system. Yes, it's there. But listen to the Word of God. And if we put the Word of God in practice, it will protect you from certain things. This is a community that loves you deeply. And at the heart of, hey guys, don't do that is a heart of love for you. And I want you to catch that tonight. It's not love to say, hey, do whatever you want to do. You know the whole whatever major, you know that? The heart of whatever is I don't care. It can sound cool, but you don't want a cool dad. You want a father that loves you. You want a father that protects you. You know when a father says, whatever. Hey, Dad, can I play on the main road? Five years old? Yeah, whatever. In actual fact, I think if the authorities got a hold of that, the parent could be locked up. And, and I feel an obligation. I know Pete does. I know the elders do. I know the leaders do. I know Kath and some of the ladies have had to speak to some of our younger ladies about what they wear, not because we're, they're just getting old and they're jealous, which can be the perception when you're young. I think, what would you know? You're just jealous. You'd just love to be able to wear what I get into. No, 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 no. I know, I know that's how you think because I was young once. I get it. I know that's how it creeps in. But as we get older, we learn some things. And the advice is given just because, you know, as a guy, I know how guys think. And as a guy, I know what primarily guys want. And dressing a certain way can be really unhelpful. It's not what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do. This church is not about what you're allowed to wear, what you're not allowed to wear. It's about protection. And the protection is out of love. Got it? And my last point tonight, I said it was simple and quick. It's got to be a place of guidance. In verse 23, it says this, So Ruth stayed. In other words, Ruth was a young girl that took the advice of an older man and an older woman, her mother-in-law. And she actually just did what they suggested she should do. This has to be a community of people 
that can listen to the voice of reason. That can listen to the voice of wisdom. That can listen to the voice of experience. I believe the local church should be a place where you can go to get wise counsel based upon a love that people have for you. I got up off the back of Pete's message this morning and shared something that God put into my heart a long, long time ago. I was praying one day and I felt God say this to me. When it comes to preaching... When it comes to leading, when it comes to ministry, teach my people how to live. He didn't say pray for them that they fall over and roll on the ground. He didn't say that to me. He didn't make the major emphasis of my ministry um, healing, signs and wonders. But for me and this house, God said this to me, teach my people how to live. And so when people say, why don't we have more of this? Why don't we have that? I said, because God told me to teach the people how to live. But why can't we have longer worship? Because God told me to teach the people how to live. Why can't we have more articles where we have time saturating ourselves with the presence of God? Because God told me to teach the people how to live. I'm not opposed to any of those expressions. But I don't believe that you can build anything with just one extreme. If your dad is always making you laugh, then he's not a good dad. Because you can't teach somebody the width and breadth about life by making him laugh all the time. Alternatively, if your dad or mother is always serious and always getting on to you, they can't teach you about the width and breadth of life. Life is about ebbs and flows. Teaching is about ebbs and flows. I don't have the luxury of just being known as the funny guy. And yet at times, I'm the funny guy. I don't have the luxury of just being the deep, mature, serious guy. At times I'm that. But what I know it is, when it comes to building family, when it comes to teaching, it's all of those. And so some days are just hysterically funny. Other days are just deep and sober. And there's everything in between. And that's how you teach people how to live. But you can be in the best place, hearing the best advice, getting the best counsel and the best wisdom. But that means nothing and is of no value to anyone unless you surrender yourself to it. What makes Ruth so exceptional is that she actually just put into practice what a mother-in-law and Boaz had said. Maybe it made sense to her, we don't know. Maybe she did it, did it, just did it out of obedience, we don't know. But what we do know is she did it. As the musicians come, I want to remind us of last week. Last week, we didn't have a night service, but we did have the privilege of having a pastor, mentor, and friend of mine come and minister. And he was a man who spoke wisdom and counsel into my life. Sometimes I got it. Sometimes it made sense to me. 
But there's plenty of times I didn't get it. There's plenty of times I thought he was picking on me. There was plenty of times I had a bad attitude towards his advice. But X amount of years later, as I look around this room, I see the value of surrendering and deferring to someone else's wisdom and someone else's counsel. Because I don't believe all of this has happened because I'm so good. In actual fact, I think if there is any key or secret to any success I've experienced, it's because I've had enough wisdom to surrender to other people's wisdom. I've had enough discernment to surrender to other people's discernment. And so I pray that we could be a people like Ruth who surrender to the wise counsel. That we could experience the things that Ruth did, the protection, the friendship, the sense of mission, and the sense of kindness that she received. You see, all of this happened for Ruth as she just so happened upon a field. And I believe all of this could happen for us as we just happened upon a field called Victory Church. Because I believe that's what God wants us to become as a community, a community of care, a community of kindness, a community of protection, a community of mission, a community of friendship, a community of guidance, a community of wisdom. At the foundation of all of this community that Ruth was a part of, was the love of one man. And his name was Boaz. The sense of community came out of a love that she had for a man. And I think that's a picture of the church today. This community called the church, for you to really embrace it and be a part of it, for you to really understand it, for there to be longevity, for you to really stay long-term, it's dependent upon the love of a man and his name is Jesus if you keep your eyes on Christ you'll stay in the community if you can keep your eyes on him you'll stay in that community if you can continue as a Christian to fall in love with Christ every day of your life you'll stay in the community but if you take your eyes off him the community will become meaningless This community that Ruth was a part of was founded upon a relationship with a man and his name was Boaz. And I believe for the church, this community is founded upon a love of a man and his name is Jesus. And for this community to make any sense and have any meaning and for this community to become all that God wants it to become, we need to remember the one who made it all possible. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.